Greetings, mobile accomplishers. Hello. Welcome to the Vergecast. I am Dieter Bone, and we have Vergecast rookie Chris Welch. Hello. Here with us to talk about Apple. We have Vergecast veteran Jake Craston. Damn it. Approximately Castronacus. Castronacus. I want to put the R in after the first K for some reason. I don't reason. even know where it goes. Yeah, you do. Yeah, just just tell me I'm a horrible name. person. And it's fine. Neli is not back yet from California. He did not take the red eye like I did. And let me tell you, he's the smarter man. Um, so you're probably wondering who's in the hype seat. But I want to tell you that today we don't have a hype seat. We have, and I'm really excited about this. Instead of a hype seat, we have a Skype seat. And it's Casey Newton. What's up? Uh, how are you? I'm excited. I'm very excited, and I want to be able to uh, perform any sort of remote hype checks uh, that Skype you may need. And, 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 I will, and I will be providing Skype checks throughout the show. <laughs> uh, okay, so uh, we are going to talk about Apple, yeah. I think. So you just got back. Precisely. And nothing from else. San Francisco, yes. where you were at the Apple event and saw yes. everything. Um, what was the most exciting thing that... You saw. Are you just going to yeah, just, just jump right in? Most yeah, exciting no, thing. number one. Like, what was your number one out of the event? Uh, my number one out of the event. Because there was a ton of stuff. Is probably Eddie Q's wardrobe <laughs> change. He switched into the shirt that was just, uh, Casey, back me up here. It was great. It was incredible. And it was one of the few things that Mark Herman had not reported in advance. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, okay, I don't know. We can, I mean, the most amazing thing. I personally saw was probably the iPad Pro. That doesn't mean I think it's the best thing or the thing I'm going okay. to buy, but in terms of like a technical achievement, the iPad Pro definitely has to be like the the, the coolest thing they created that day. Uh, Casey, um, I agree that the iPad Pro looked really nice, but for me, the most exciting thing was 3D Touch, uh, which came as a total surprise because we had been dismissing it as right click for iPhone. It's but man. Once you start playing around with it, though, you start to wonder how you lived without it. Um, really? Like, just the ability to have quick actions that you can perform from your home screen, I think, is a big deal. You know, so you long press or force press on Instagram and go right to the camera. You uh, 3D touch on the text message icon and can just, like, you know, fire off a quick text Um it's all minor stuff, but I think over the lifetime of the use of your phone, it really is going to save time, and it uh, just feels like a really cool evolution of the operating system. All right. Well, how about you guys? Like, you weren't there, but like, you saw everything. You've reported a ton of it. What are you most excited by? I mean, the iPad Pro is definitely the biggest thing they announced wow, in terms wow. of pure size, but uh, I'm not sure I'm really too compelled by that. Um, I'm kind of curious about who it's for. I'm not even sure Apple's really sure who it's for just yet i guess we'll find that out in a couple of months but uh i mean it's pretty exciting uh, the whole stylus thing that whole turnaround is pretty interesting finally so, realizing that yeah. this is the right form for a stylus and and uh, Did, can i say the weird like cool thing about the stylus the pencil uh, pencil um uh the cool thing about it is like this tilt functionality so um, when I was using it, if you just, you know, press down as with a normal pencil, it writes like a pencil does. But if you sort of lean it on its side and do like kind of a shading uh, gesture, then in this drawing app that I was using, it sort of, you know, it, it looked like uh, the way it would look if you shaded your pencil. So I just thought the fact that uh, the, the pencil sort of knows where it is and space and time uh, made for kind of a cool thing. Now, I'm sure there are other styluses on the market that uh, do that. Um, but I think that there are probably a lot of people who haven't tried out a stylus on an iPad yet, and uh, it's kind of a, a nifty feature. Yeah. Jake? Um, I think I might be the only one, but uh, the Apple TV. I was waiting. Oh, That's the first time we've said the word TV on the show. No, I'm really excited. Um, I mean, the idea of... So for me, I don't own any game consoles, and I what? know that it's, it's really easy to just, like, ignore you and all think of that the, you're well, that behind maybe, for not owning a games console. Um, Come on, man. Well... Yeah, but then I have to spend like hours and hours playing video games just to justify owning this thing. I'd have to like own multiple copies of Madden. Um, no, you don't. I don't. I don't. I, well, it's just too. It's a very big, just like emotional investment. And 
at, at this point in my life, I don't know if I can make it. Then that's why you wanted Apple Which TV. Which is why I wanted Apple TV, because then I can just like, <laughs> like I bought Transistor um, when it came out on the iPhone. I'm like, yes, this is going to be great. I'm going to play Transistor. I love terrible. Bastion. And then I'm like, well, I don't really want to play this because I only have an iPhone 5S and it's like a tiny screen. And like I tried to um, uh, airplay it over to my TV, but then there's the delay and it's like I can't control it because I have to look at my iPhone to like touch the right things um, and then look back up at my TV to see what's happening. Uh-huh. So like those, that kind of like above casual game, um, but not quite full 3d, like destiny, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm like super looking forward to playing with that kind of stuff. Um, so hopefully that gets a little bit. My, more I have vibrant. a question. All right. My question, which is, is the game developer community going to show up in huge numbers for Apple TV games, right? Because, like, on uh, iOS, as it stands right now, there are only really, like, the the only reliable way to make money is to uh, offer these sort of terrible in-app purchases, right? You limit the amount of time somebody can play a game in a day. Um, And for a variety of reasons, uh, you know, some of which are the App Store's fault, Game developers just can't make a ton of money uh, off of the App Store. So my question is, you know, why do we assume that all of a sudden uh, game developers are going to just start racing to create all these incredible experiences on Apple TV? Yeah, no, I mean, I I think Casey's right. Like, I don't think that the Apple TV is really going to spur all that much more uh, development of games for iOS. Like, they're not in a great place for the most part. There are like a few gems. What? I mean, you think it will? I, I don't know if the Apple TV will, but to say that iOS games aren't in a great place is like they're it's not like the best, most perfect place. And like there's a bunch of in-app purchase annoyances, but like games on iOS compared to games on Android. Yeah. But I like, mean, why can't I buy uh, like a game that is, you know, the quality of a game you get for the Nintendo DS on, you know, my iPad, I would happily pay 30, 40, $50 for like a yeah. good game. But, like, the best thing I can get is Bastion and Transistor. And, like... Um, How much do the Final Fantasy ports cost? Right, but you're talking about, like, a Final Fantasy... Like, yeah, no, like, don't, don't get me wrong. There's some good stuff, especially for people like me who are out of the loop of, like, the game console cycle. But it could be, like, a bit better. Like, th- I don't understand why they're not competing with handhelds in th- that way. Right. Okay, we should step back and come yeah, back yeah. to Apple TV. So, uh, Casey... Set the yeah. scene at the Bill Graham Center. Like, it was a huge venue. It was. Uh, and it was actually really like, pretty cool inside. There was some resentment in San Francisco because Apple had rented out uh, Bill Graham Civic Auditorium, uh, you know, one of the, the city's larger concert venues, for a full three weeks. Like, Apple was just inside this venue for three weeks setting the stage for this event. And uh, and so we sort of didn't know what to expect uh, inside because the venue um, seats 7,000 people, which seemed like kind of an insane number of people to bring to, to an Apple event. Uh, but then once we got inside, we saw that they had built this kind of really like clever and unusual structure where there was this giant stage um, at the, the front of the room where they really could have like fit a car. I, I got like a little bit excited we were going to see an Apple car <laughs> yesterday because like there was just so much space. Um, and then to either side of the stage, there was uh, a hands-on area. So to the right side of the stage, you could check out the iPhones and the iPads. And to the left side of the stage, you could check out the Apple TVs. And like the Apple TVs, they had in this super dark, like sleek, sort of like futuristic living room uh, that looked really nice. Um, like on the on the ceiling, there were like kind of like like star. It looked like there were stars, right, Dieter? Mm-hmm. Like um, yeah. so. It was um, it, it was like a very sophisticated, elegant uh, presentation, and um, you know there wound up being about fifteen hundred uh, people uh, who attended the event, and I want to say about a thousand of those were Apple employees. Judging um, by the applause, yeah. Yeah, but like I actually think it's cool that they're letting more Apple employees go. Like they're the people who made this stuff, and and I think like some of them like they, they only know about their announcement, right? Like they don't even know what the other teams are working on. So like I, I sort of feel like they have just as much a right to be there as you know the people who are writing about it. Was the vibe of the keynote just sort of was it just like chill? Like Schiller had a bunch of energy. Uh, Cook was like scowling sometimes, but he he was like and you know the thing where like you try and like show like like assurance and like power and yeah. like, man, I am so confident right now, but you just come off looking angry. Oh yeah. That's like how I do. 
And that's like that's how like I got that vibe off of him the whole time. Like he like well, felt they really off good, really chill because there was no like super over the top video to like lead into this event. Like yeah. last year they had uh, the okay go rip off kind of thing, and then <laughs> there was the Bill Hader thing for WWDC. Oh, God, oh, so yeah. bad. So they kind of realized maybe that's not the best way to intro these events. So it was well, just. Yeah, and Tim then the Cook order was weird, right? Because it, it would like typically they're like, "All right, here we go, updates." All right, iPhone. We know you're here for iPhone, and then like, "Oh, there's some other stuff." But now, but they like they basically flipped everything because mm-hmm. it was Apple Watch, then they went to iPad, then they went to Apple TV, TV. yeah, and then they went they ended on iPhone. I feel like messing with the order is sort of removes the value judgment on their own products. Like it, they're not saying necessarily that iPhone is most important, even though like it is their biggest thing. I don't know. I mean, I don't know if there's too much to read into the order that they presented them in, but, um, uh, you know, putting the iPhone last and what did they, they opened on the the Uh, Apple watch, watch, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Get get me a little more interested. But yeah, I guess so. But like overall, this wasn't like a, like a rah, rah. Oh my God. It was like, it was like, Hey, they did an Apple event. Mm -hmm. Cool. It's good. I, I don't know. Which is interesting because this is one of the most packed events that they've done. Yeah, and it was like the, the whole thing ran a little over two hours, I yeah. think, like two hours, 20 minutes or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the way, somebody owes me money for that because <laughs> everyone's like, no, they, they won't go over an hour and a half. They definitely were always going to go at least two hours. Um, Casey, yes. how did you feel about it, the scene, like be, like the whole event in the how keynote? How was One Republic? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> It sounded One Republic bad. is not my favorite <laughs> band, uh, and you know, um, the at the uh, the last of a- Apple event we went to, uh, they ended with the weekend, uh, who actually like sang an incredible song and did an awesome job, and so I think like we Apple Live bloggers are sort of used to snarking at the end of the uh, at the keynotes because they often do pick these like super basic bands to come in and perform. But like after the weekend, you're like, they could bring up anybody. They could bring up, you know, like Philip Glass to like, you know, play something. <laughs> that would be uh, amazing. Wouldn't that have been amazing? He just like came up and played like 433. Um, but anyway, instead we got, uh, we got One Republic. And it was so funny because like as Tim Cook like starts to introduce these people, like you're trying to figure out in your head, like who's it going to be? You know, like the, among the people who are going to the event, I would say the number one, like sort of um, like water cooler topic outside the venue was like, who do you think the musical artist is going to be? Um, and he starts, he's like, you know, they're a band. I'm like, okay, so it's a band. <laughs> he's like, they had five platinum singles off their last record. I was like, well, it's not a rock band because rock bands don't have like platinum singles anymore, <laughs> you know? So like that was immediately when I was like, something is not right here. And then um, Tim Cook said that, like, the most important thing about them was that they were good human beings. I don't know if you heard that part. (laughs) And, uh, like, which could be true. I don't know anything about them. Like, for all I know, they're, like, diehard humanitarians. Um, But then they just, like, came out and they started singing uh, Counting Cars, I think is the name of the song, which um, is a a song by white people that has a gospel breakdown in it. And so, like, by the time the gospel (laughs) breakdown came around, I was just, I was not having it. I I was over One Republic. Yeah, I mean, I always walk out on these bands, and I feel terrible about it because, like, I want to go and go to the hands-on area because it turns out I'm there to work, um, and so I don't. I like turn my back on the weekend at the WWC. That's event, too bad. Which is, like the worst thing I've ever done in my entire life. But a while ago, I got to turn my back on you too, which was the best <laughs> thing I ever did in my entire life. Um, okay, uh, let's. We were talking Apple TV. We should just do it. Um, so we should run down the basics. It looks like a really tall Apple TV. Yeah. It's just, and then it comes with a remote that has motion sensing. Do we know how it does the motion sensing? It's not it like there's a, just a, an accelerometer, it's just right? a gyroscopic accelerometer. accelerometer. Yeah. Yeah. It's got a touch surface on the top. Uh, it's got a bunch of buttons. There's a TV button, which I guess is home. Yeah. There's a Siri button. There's a menu button, which will double as back. And then there's volume up and down buttons. And... The volume buttons and also turning your TV on and off works via CEC. HDMI CEC? Yeah, yeah which what does CEC Not stand a lot for? of TVs have at this moment, but... Really? I just figured, like, the yeah, thing has been around for, like, three, four years. Recently, would you have had to have purchased a nice TV to have that? 2013, 2014, okay. so pretty recent. But. My problem with CEC is, like, I'm pretty sure my soundbar supports it. I'm pretty sure my TV supports it. Uh, like the Xbox supports it and like all these things, but they, none of them like understand each other's states and like all of them want to be the boss of your entire sound system, your entire AV system. And I never know which one to pick to 
like let it be the boss. And so I just give up and use a Logitech remote. Oh my, oh my God. God. <laughs> what is happening? Look who I found you what? guys. How's it going? We were we were we, we were doing it's, a it's called a super Roku. That's right, that's all. Yeah. Hi hi Neil. Not even laughing at me. Uh if if you're not watching the video stream, Neil I just showed up in um San Francisco next to Casey and then they I don't know what happened to the sound there. Neil, we're, we're talking about the Apple TV. Uh, we haven't said anything mean about it yet, so it's really good that you're here. <laughs> Super Roku. Super Roku. <laughs> right? That's, that's, I mean, they have to deliver the next piece of it. The next piece of it is a streaming service. But, like, they built a they built an interesting riff on the existing UI. They built a remote that other people have built. Um, and they've got good ideas about search. But all of the services are exactly the same as everybody else's services, right? You can watch Netflix on it. You can watch Hulu on it. You can... Right, movies. Um, they need to deliver an actual streaming service. And yeah. I, I think I was talking to Walt about it, and he his whole theory is they need to put the boxes out there so they can walk into meetings with content companies and cable companies and say, "Look, we got all these fucking boxes. We're doing this with or without you." Right. Um, not sure, what it means to do it without them, but that's, <laughs> that's it, they, they just need leverage, right? They need the install base as big as somebody else's install base. Um, but until then, it's it's a super recruit. Right, and so, but the problem is a regular Roku costs less than one hundred fifty dollars, which is the starting price of an Apple TV. Well, do you think the fact that Apple has this like army of developers who will like theoretically make a bunch of apps for it gives it like an edge over the Roku, or is that just going to be like boring? You're never going to use that. You're just going to open up Netflix. Well, it, it that's the whole game. Is if they don't get the apps and they don't get the streaming service, it's just it's a super Roku, uh, and like and even like down to like their. The things that it can and can't search, like, mirrors pretty well what the other sort of limited universal searches are. Like, it's not like we guarantee you universal search. I, I was imagining a world where if you wanted an app on, an, on the Apple TV, you have to, you have to get buy into their universal search yeah. paradigm. Otherwise, you're no good. And they didn't do that. So it's a, it, it's, it's a super Roku. So the question is, like, they need developers to make crazy apps. And what apps are coming that like that are going to change the way you think about TV cuz I'll tell you what it's not it's not the guilt app it's not sitting there and like paging yeah, through Yeah, I don't know what a good TV app is or looks like but right. I, I want them. It's just like this weird <laughs> desire that like I'm going to download 100 TV apps and use none of them. The the MLB app looked cool, right? Like yeah. the idea that the app actually sends you a notification that says, hey, your favorite player is having an at-bat in another game. Just tap here and we'll take it you to it right now. Like, that's great. That's something that you're never going to get in linear TV. Like, that actually looked like the future to me. But, you know, somebody pointed out to me later that uh, other uh, that that's just like the MLB app and that app can run on, you know, any number of platforms. So, Will that um, notification come no matter what I'm watching? Like can will apps be able to ping pop up notifications while you're in another app or I watching so. another I'm sure show? you can turn it off, but as far as I know, yeah, they can send up. Wow, notifications. managing notifications you know, that's on like, the app that's TV the whole, like, like reason fun. you would want to actually have like a TV OS, right? Right, is like so that you could have a notification layer that sat on top of the operating system that would allow for that kind of thing. What did you do to Neilai? He's gone. I told him he had to get out of my bedroom. It's not appropriate <laughs> that he's in here. He wasn't invited. And he needed to go. So, <laughs> so I'm going to buy an Apple TV, um, even though I've got a Fire Stick uh, and I've got a. I actually have a Roku too, uh, and I've got an Xbox One. And I got a Wii U. I don't have a PS4, but whatever. No, I'm going to buy an Apple TV simply because um, my my current Apple TV is just like it's slow and terrible interface. And but, I mean, this interface isn't really much different. It's pretty much the same thing with a new coat of paint, and it's like a lot easier to like move around and navigate but it's well so fundamentally it's still the same setup here's the thing moving around and navigating on it everybody that i talk to says the remote is hella twitchy like if you if you like if your if your thumb moves up just a little like you know you use an iphone with your apple tv and like you slide you think you're sliding over and said you go like four icons over apparently it's like that times five right now the way that it's tweaked and I mean, Wait, it's not that big of a, a zone for you to move your thumb on, so they've got to make it pretty sensitive. Isn't the Apple TV remote the like current one? The like the lesson that like Apple teaches all of its employees about how like brilliant its design is? It has like five buttons or whatever. Am I making this up? No, here in the thing. Um, so it's just very interesting that like forget the directional pad, you can swipe everywhere. Um, which like no, it seems cool. Yeah. I'm interested, but yeah, I very worried that uh, how you will like 
easily start and stop and go where you actually want to on that. Yeah. And instead of like, so, okay, the interface innovation is Siri. So that's different. Mm -hmm. And then the other interface innovation that they talked about is if you like just rest your thumb on the little pad and you're like looking at a, a, a movie poster you can like the wiggle your thumb around, around and the icons them, move yeah. around and then some of them like like uh, movie studios can actually make them 3d yeah. so it's like one of those really cheap holograms i don't know it, it sony's done that kind of cool. thing like on the playstation store they've done that same kind of parallax effect where it's like one thing on top of the other and as you move yeah. around it'll shift around so it's but let, let me say something nice about the remote if i can um i don't know, you know if the, you can the fact that um, it has a touch surface uh, is going to, I think, really delight a lot of people because it means that you can use the interface without looking at the remote, right? Like most of our experience of using remotes is like, okay, which button does this or that, right? Have like, you ever used a five-way directional pad? Like you don't have to look yeah. at it. Yeah, I think that that is true for the most part, but um, we live in a in a world of 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 swipes and taps now, and I think yeah, being able to build that into your uh, your content remote uh, is is something that people are going to like. We'll say I use my uh, Apple mouse upside like backward at least once a week hmm. and get totally puzzled about wh like why my mouse is moving in the wrong direction. Once so he's turning your mouse around is that is Chris Welch uh, doing some <laughs> sort of practice prank? Once a week I'll be wandering around the office with my laptop and my whole computer will freak the shit out. It'll be frozen. I can't move the mouse around. I have no idea what's happening. And it turns out someone's sitting on my desk and they set their laptop on top of my <laughs> touchpad on mm. my desk and I'm like 30 feet away but the Bluetooth is still connected and it's just like clicking constantly. Anyway, um, here's what here's my last word on the Apple TV. It's okay that they didn't score the crazy subscription deals. Um, it's really good that they are trying something innovative with the remote. It's really good that they're doing the Siri stuff. But my my basic complaint is that they didn't go far enough with the interface. And you know, uh, Neil I think said this the other day. Like Siri is supposed to get be more and more proactive and know what I want to watch. Um, it should be able to sit down and show me. The most recent stuff that I watch across all of my services, like I like when I go to Netflix, I always, the first thing I go to is like what I last watched because it's prob I'm probably going to want to watch another episode of whatever that show is. But I also watch stuff on Hulu and on HBO Now and blah and blah and blah. And I should just have a queue of like the last stuff that I watched, and it should be able to guess like you know, man, you've been watching a lot of Cutthroat Kitchen. Uh, maybe you should try another cooking show on this other service that you forgot about. Yeah, it's interesting that the first thing you choose is the service and not what you want to watch. Right. When, and like, what you open it up for is to find something to watch. Right. And, like, that's the polar opposite of the cable model. Like, mm -hmm. cable is, like, it's, you turn it on and there's a show and then you start moving around from within that. Um, and I just, like, they had a chance to do something, I think, more ambitious than, yay, more, you know, icons on screens, more grids. It is still a big grid. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Any, anybody else want to have a throw a final word on this uh, this Apple TV before I, I go to the money zone? It just feels like it's halfway there to me. Like I liked it better than I expected to, but it's until there's that like content piece, uh, like with the with the actual subscription offering, it's just gonna feel like it's in beta testing. Yeah. Just like building a TV interface is hard. Building a website can be hard and even if you know your way around the code that is used to build a website which by the way is html did they javascript use that? and css uh building something that looks good and actually works it just takes forever so whether you're making a business site a portfolio a restaurant or whatever else you uh you're gonna need one right mm -hmm. uh so you should use squarespace to do it because it makes it easy to to build beautiful websites without breaking a sweat so here's why. Squarespace provides simple, powerful, and beautiful website for you. It looks professionally designed regardless of your skill level. You do not need to know how to code. Not only does Squarespace give you intuitive and easy-to-use tools to make your website, it also has state-of-the-art tech that powers your website so that it is secure and stable. And, you know, you can trust Squarespace for your website needs when millions of other people and some very respected brands also trust them. 
So seriously, you cannot beat the ease and simplicity of Squarespace. They give you 24-7 online support and a beautiful website for only 8 bucks a month. You can even get a free domain if you buy Squarespace for the year. So I don't know what you're waiting for. It's probably just for me to tell you what the promo code is because it's the only thing that you could possibly be waiting for right now before you go and sign up for Squarespace. You can start a trial without a credit card and you can start building your website today. So here's the code. Use the offer code VERGE, that's V-E-R-G-E, and you'll get 10% off your first purchase and you're going to show your support for us right here, the VergeCast. So we thank Squarespace for supporting us right here, the VergeCast. Squarespace, build it beautiful. All right. Uh, iPad Pro. iPad Pro. It's huge. So how big does this thing feel in your hand? Because you saw photos, and it looks just enormous, and it's as it's, heavy as the first iPad was, which was not light by any means. So Yeah, it doesn't feel heavy. It, it, it's like... Basically, it, it's not that dissimilar from, like, I don't know. Imagine the, the size of your 13-inch MacBook Air. Like, cut it, like break it in half, and there you go. Like, and the keyboard part. Is that, is that a fair representation, Casey? Yeah, I, I think yeah. so. Um, it's it a lunch was, tray, uh, for sure. It, it, it feels uh, similar in the hand as the iPad Air 2. It, it is just, like physically more massive so it does way more but it, it like it actually felt deceptively light at least in the like 30 seconds that i actually held it in my hand i suspect if you held it up for you know an hour uh maybe your arms would get a little more fatigued than they would with, with an ipad air um but it, it definitely looks large and like almost comically large i think unless you are just really in love with the idea of a, a Microsoft Surface that runs uh, <laughs> iOS. So, can you can either of you imagine using this without a keyboard attached? Uh, no. I could, yes, to watch a movie in bed with its four speakers. Like, I would buy this instead of a TV for my bedroom. Would you ever take this outside your home <laughs> at any point? <laughs> right? This, this, is like, this is a super hard question because like the thing is meant to be a laptop replacement, right? And yeah. again, like the, the tablet that can replace your laptop. That's a, that's a really good tagline. Have we have we ever heard that from any that, that it definitely sounds clever. I wonder yeah. I wonder if anybody's ever used that. You should go into advertising before. Yeah. Um But can it replace your laptop? I don't right, think so. Right, so my my impression is that, you know, down the road, this is going to be, like, maybe a solid laptop alternative. And right now, iOS is still, like, you know, it's it's iOS. Like, right. you, um, I imagine that if you are, you really prefer touchscreens, maybe this makes sense for you. But, like, there's no way you're going to get as much done without, um, you know, an actual, like, a, an attached keyboard and a trackpad or a mouse. Um like, is this for the future? They're preparing, like... So I was I was re-watching the keynote this morning mm -hmm. because when you're actually at the keynote taking photos of the keynote, you don't yeah. watch anything other than can I get a picture of an executive when their mouth isn't in a funny position because mm -hmm. they're talking. Um, and I, I did. I managed to get uh, pictures of people not with weird mouth positions. Uh, anyway, and Tim Cook, like, led off the iPad discussion with, like, yo... This is our vision for what the future of all computing is. It's a pane of glass that does magical things. Um, that's funny. I didn't hear that at all, but that's that's so interesting that like they're just laying it out like right. that. Um, and you know, this is where I get all uh, you know angry about open computing platforms. But I don't want the iPad to be the future of computing until I can do arbitrary things on the iPad that uh, I don't have to get Apple's permission to do. Um, and Android has similar problems, but at least Android at least has the patina of you're free to screw around with it however you want. Um, it has other problems, too, which is like the, the apps for tablets just still aren't there. Send your angry emails about the comment <laughs> I just said about Android apps to Casey at TheVerge.com. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's not I'm not wrong. OK, we should run down the specs, though. Who wants to who wants to give me some spec talk? Oh, oh well, 12.9-inch display. Yes. It's got a resolution of 2732 by 2048 for a PPI of 264, so it's a retina display. It's got four speakers, first mm -hmm. for an iPad, and the A9X chip, which promises desktop performance, which 
We'll have to see how true that holds up. <laughs> and you've got your pencil, your smart keyboard. Uh, but there's no 3D touch on the iPad Pro, which I found pretty interesting. Yeah, yeah. like the 3D touch is right-click for the iPhone, and you'd think that you'd want it. It's a professional kind of thing. You'd think you'd want that on an iPad. Mm -hmm. Also, the other the spec you didn't mention is 4 gigs of RAM, which we only know because Adobe like screwed up and told us. Um, mm -hmm. If you're if this is a future computing, tell me how much RAM is in the damn thing. Yes. Also, like the lack of 3D touch. For me, like even if I wanted one of these things, I would just wait until it had 3D touch. Like this, <laughs> right? this seems like the sort of thing where, like, in six months, they'll just quietly refresh it with 3D touch, <laughs> and like you'll feel shitty that you spend a thousand dollars on it. Um, it's possible I'm making too much of 3D touch, but I don't know. Every once in a while, I get excited about a software feature. Um, the hardware, you know, like, soft, the, soft hard feature. Sorry. The hard software feature. Um, but um, you know. There are a few uh, reporters uh, who I know who are very excited about the idea of an iOS workstation like Harry McCracken and uh, Federico Vitici over at Mac Stories. And they often write about how they've built these workflows for themselves. And, you know, they're doing high quality work. And, and, I, and I sort of get the appeal. I actually, before I had a laptop, uh, my laptop equivalent was a first generation iPad and a third party uh, keyboard uh, wow. that I used and and it was actually like it, it was really pretty effective for the things I was using it for which was mostly like taking notes and writing you know like nothing nothing super uh, intense but you know the, the other thing I would just note is that um, for for all these like claims of you know like desktop class performance, honestly, like the iPads usually are better than desktop performance, right? Because the apps open quicker, right? They're, like the the speed of the iPad, I think, is one reason that a lot of people prefer it over well, the traditional. That's because you can only well, I guess on iPad now you can run two things at a time, and then you might have some other stuff running in the background. You don't know. Who knows? Yeah. Possible. Um, no, I I don't know. Maybe I'm I'm just like being an old fuddy-duddy here, but you know what's really cool on a 12.9-inch screen? More than two apps at a time. You know what's cool? Windows, it turns yeah, out. Yeah, I mean, so I Not should like ask, Windows, but how Windows. does this compare to the Surface Pro for you? Because the Surface Pro is basically the same product, except it is more on the laptop it side. It has a kickstand. It has a better yeah. keyboard. The keyboard thing for the iPad, I, I was like, oh, hey, this is fine. And I was like, oh, wait, this is not that good. Um, Right, it, Surface, I don't know. Same That's a really hard thing, thing to, for but me to desktop say. desktop OS. Yeah, well, hmm, if this thing ran Windows, I would probably buy it, which is a crazy thing for me to be saying right now. Um, but I just I the apps and like the the ecosystem and like the games and like some of like the single task stuff is going to be better on the iPad Pro than what the, some of those similar stuff. I think I even, I'm willing to bet that uh, Microsoft Office is a more enjoyable experience on the iPad Pro than it is on, um, you know, a Surface. That's probably not actually true. Um, but in terms of, like, this is my only computer, I, I want to make sure that the ceiling on what I can do with it is, um, you know, it's set by, like, the power of the device and my ability to do creative things with it, not, like, arbitrary software limits. It's interesting. I feel like when um, everyone talks about the iPad as like a cre creation device, like there's this vision that we're just like constantly banging away doing work. And like most of the time we're just like browsing the web or watching Netflix or whatever. Wow, the same you are time, super fired. Um, <laughs> I, no, I mean like I, I, I'm, not, I'm not bringing my iPad to work to like get stuff done. Um, but like um, even on the iPad, I still can't, like browse the web as well as I can on my MacBook. True. Really? Um, I I think it's a more relaxed and enjoyable experience. But like, I'm opening like 50 tabs and like going through them as quickly as I right. can. And like the um, I mean, the iPad Pro is probably better, but like my iPad holds like maybe two tabs at a time. Yeah. Before it like forgets about them and has to like take a minute to load it up. Yeah, Safari's really bad with it. I mean, that, that was always my, the complaint about the RAM on the iPhone, right? That if they just put more RAM right. in there, maybe I wouldn't have to reload pages all the time. Um, okay, so here's the question like, uh, that everybody's asked me. Every single person who knows that I've touched the iPad Pro asks me this question, and I want you to answer it, Chris Welch. Hmm. Who's it for? Mm, if you're an artist or some kind of 
creative, I guess. I mean, that's, that's my only <laughs> real like surefire customer for this thing is someone who's going to really use that pencil Casey, yeah. until their dying like, day. If, the, if you ever bought a, is it Wacom or Wacom? If you ever bought a Wacom tablet. If, you're, if you ever bought a Wacom tablet and, <laughs> and then you do the tweeters on it, and you can, I guess you can get some Facebooks and you can, sorry, sorry, Casey. No, that's actually, I want you to keep going with that character. Okay. I like that All character. Right. Um, but yeah, if you ever like purchase a separate tablet and stylus to like do your creative work and you use iOS, like now you have this alternative. But I think if like you're not an architect or an illustrator, it's not clear to me that you couldn't actually just get by with an iPad Air 2, which remains a just surpassingly beautiful and fun to use device. And they didn't bother updating it at all. Yeah, so when does they don't? It's that now. good. Yeah. It didn't need anything. Well, it's they're fine. trying to keep the specs ahead, I think, on the, right. the Pro, right? And yeah. so everything else just falls behind. Yeah. Which is not the most exciting. So the iPad Pro, it's called the Pro. It's meant to be for professionals, for like the enterprise and for IBM and Cisco to like distribute to all these companies and have the entire sales force work off of them. And I also, I just don't get that. Now, I'm not super smart about enterprise stuff, but I know that if I am buying a, a thousand laptops for my sales workforce, um, I'm not, I'm going to want to buy the one that's a little bit cheaper, but still gets the job done. And so if, if by some magic of, you know, perfection, IBM has created a great iOS app ecosystem for all my internal software, I, I'm, I'm going to buy them iPad Airs because they're just a little bit cheaper and like they probably don't need the styluses and I can buy a pretty good Logitech keyboard for it. That's good. going to be good enough. Or I'm going to buy more likely like $600 Windows laptops. So I, it's, it's an amazing, beautiful piece of hardware, and like there will be people who will buy it just because it's the best iPad. There will be people who buy it because they're like, oh, yeah, I like drawing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that. But I, I don't know. It, it's like I don't think this solves the iPad problem of like what are they <clears throat> really for beyond like watching Netflix in bed and playing solitaire and whatever else people do with iPads. No, it's not going to be slowing down sales either. I mean, this is not going to be like a mass market product for a lot of people. Right. So. That's still the Air 2 and the Mini 4, which looks really nice if you want the smaller version. But Casey? Uh, I, I have an interesting comment. A, a, a viewer just tweeted at me. Uh, H. Steroid says uh, he, I'm assuming he, uh, but if you're she, I apologize, uh, is an architect, and there's no way in hell I uh, see using the new <laughs> iPad Pro. I need 3DS Max and CAD stuff to work flawlessly. And you want to work flawlessly when you're. Well, they did show a CAD thing of the Bay Area with like uh, some insane number of points and lines and stuff. Yeah, they did. There may be yeah. some software opportunity there. Uh, you know, interestingly, I think Neilai said that he wanted one. Yeah. Uh, uh, I think he may fall into that category of I just want the best thing, so like bring that best thing to me. Um, but you know, I, I like like my iPad more than most people. Like it's been it's it's very trendy at the verge to say like, oh, I have six iPads, but I never use them. Um, but like, I'm not that person at all. Like, um, I keep it by my nightstand when I wake up in the morning. Like, that's what I'm using to skim Twitter, to check my email, even to like fire off email replies. Um, I use it to read books. I buy books from the iBook store, and then of course I watch a lot of video on Why it. Why the so, iBook store? Why not the Kindle store? Um. I guess I just spent, so I just spent, it, it's an ecosystem thing. Yeah. I'm just a, I'm just a, your classic iverger and I really do live in <laughs> Apple universe. God. Um, and, uh, you know, what, what, what can I tell you? I, I mean, the, you know, Kindle makes nice stuff too. I like, I have uh, a Kindle and, and occasionally I use it, but I love the iPad screen and it's just like, frankly, the iPad is the place where I already am. And so right. that's sort of make, you know, makes sense, uh, for me to have, um, my books there too. But I have I have another incoming tweet I would like to read. Oh. Somebody named Jared says that he does music on OS X, uh, Logic uh, 10 Pro, and he says he's looking forward to using an iPad Pro to make music. So maybe oh, yeah. musicians. Uh, yeah. yeah. And it can do like three or four HD streams at once in iMovie if you want to yeah. be editing that stuff. Yeah. Uh, like, I don't have any doubt that like some of these particular experiences are going to be great, but I just don't know if they're going to be like, I don't know. It's not... I don't know. It's not. I, I can't do random stuff like I can on a computer. I guess. Yeah, I agree. Which, which really sounds like I feel like I'm like 
recycling an argument that's five years old and everyone's going to get really mad at me for like, oh, no, no, you can be totally productive with an iPad and you can. Oh, no, it's not that locked down. They like they built all the tools for apps to talk to each other and they mostly have, but there's still like... So, eh. I mean, my, my thinking is also that this is not necessarily for us. This right. is for people who are growing up with touch screens and one day iOS is going to be the all-powerful op- and like customizable operating system that we want it to, but it's going to be touch first. It is going to be designed from the ground up to work with this type of device, and this is the type of device that people are going to prefer in ten years. I could be totally wrong about that because, like, I, I can't yeah. imagine preferring Am I this buy in ten one years. Of these? Are you, are you talking me into this? I mean, just look at the price I, again before you make that decision. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I, I think Jake is making an interesting point. You know, the original argument around the iPad was, is this device for consumption or is it for creation? And then over time, it became clear that you really could use it for both. Um, it so happens that I use it almost entirely for consumption. I think it's a great device for consumption. Um, but Apple, I think, believes its future is in making it feel more and more like a device for creation. So maybe there will be some sort of generation gap there. Um but maybe people just keep using it to watch videos and maybe that'll be fine. Yeah. It'll be great. Cause it's got all those speakers. Like, like, okay. I'm going to, I'm going to stop harping on this in a second. Someone said you can kind of get three apps if you put one video in a picture in picture, but like my basic work setup is I need Slack. I need a web browser with a bunch of tabs and you know, I kind of need Twitter um, or a text editor. So like, I can't work without three things open, and I can man I can pull that off in uh, Chromebook because like I can make those little web tabs and like it's going. But on um, an iPad, you like you kind of at some point you have to choose to like let something sit in the background, and no matter how fast the multitasking is, it's there's still like a uh, that thing's over there now. I don't know, and that's you know that's that's the thing that makes it feel not pro to me. But the question is, am I just like old? And like nobody actually needs that, and I don't actually need that. I just need to stop thinking that I need that. I don't know. I mean, I feel the same way though, right? right. Like, um, and you're not old, but you're you're um, a millennial. It, yes, I'm extraordinarily. I think I'm like 15 at this point. Um, but what's the what's the bottom for millennials? Like, what's the youngest you can be and still be a millennial? I I'm 35 and I'm a millennial <laughs> by some uh, definitions. It's a state of mind. Yeah, Peter. No, like the be- the best thing about my life is that I like caught the very last year that you could still call yourself Gen X, <laughs> and I'm really happy about that. Is it because Gen X is a cooler name? Because uh, Gen X is cool. We're, we're cooler. Period. I mean, there's no competition between us. I mean, what's the what's the the movie that's like? Yes, we're millennials. We self-identify as millennials. What's the movie? Because for me, uh, I've, like got super Ethan, bad. I've got I've got Ethan Hawke and Reality Bites, right? Like, I mean, come on, uh, we're cooler. We have the last Airbender. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, so, have you heard of SoftLayer? They deliver a cloud that's built from the get-go for security. So if you've got a business, you need your applications and you need your computational workloads and they're unique to your business. So you need a cloud service that is unique to your needs. And SoftLayer is one of the only companies that can actually pull that off. They provision dedicated servers and virtual servers from a single seamless platform. So you don't have to pick whether you want to make your own servers and have one for each of your things, or if you just want the you know virtual cloud crazy server stuff. Uh, everything is available on demand. It's all connected to the same open API. They're all connected to a global private network, and you can scale your workloads up and down super quick, and you have ample storage space for all of your storage intensive needs if you're storing a lot of video or whatever. It's something that businesses do. And so the thing you might not know about SoftLayer uh, if you haven't heard us talk about them before, is they're an IBM company. And IBM uses SoftLayer as its own cloud infrastructure foundation for all of their IBM cloud products and services. So even if you're not looking for infrastructure, you can still benefit from SoftLayer's infrastructure whenever you use anything that IBM makes in IBM Cloud. So there you go. So if you uh, are excited by all of this cloud infrastructure stuff that I've been talking about, you could get $500 of cloud infrastructure off of your plan by visiting softlayer.com slash podcast. You can order bare metal servers, virtual servers, storage, networking, security services from your 
choice of data centers. They have 24 of them around the world, and all those servers and services are all connected to SoftLayer's unique network of networks, which separates public, private, and management traffic so that you are not going to have your business slowed down because Chris Welch is streaming Netflix. They keep it all separate. You can also automate control of your cloud infrastructure with a granular API, or you can just use their customer portal. So there you go. Visit softlayer.com slash podcast to get started with your $500 off of service, servers, storage, network, and security on a cloud built for security from SoftLayer. I felt that was the, the appropriate ad to put in at the end of the iPad Pro discussion. Don't you? Yeah. So we didn't talk about the uh, the Mini Four, other than than Chris Welch doing exactly what Apple did. It was like, hey guys, there's an iPad Mini Four. It's not bad. Goodbye. It's the iPad Mini we should have got last ten year. months ago, yeah. right? Yeah, the Mini Three will go down as one of the saddest product revisions <laughs> I think in Apple's history. It's like it came and it went, and now you've got the iPad Mini Two and the Four. Don't well, even ask about three. Everybody yeah. at the Verge has really like strong feelings about tablets right now because like we don't know what they're for. Android tablets of like, you can't get small ones anymore that are any good. Uh, nobody's trying anymore. Samsung like decided to maybe make one this year. I guess they're like, yeah, sure, here's a tab, whatever. Like, the iPad Pro is the only tablet of note. Get, see what I did there? Mm. Note uh, in the past twelve months, right? At least since the iPad Air two. Honestly, like nothing, nothing. Nobody else is trying. Don't talk to me about the Nexus 9 because I bought a Nexus 9. And I, when I did it, I was like, I'm going to regret doing this. And you know what? I was totally, totally right. <laughs> you told you so. I did I tell me so. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, iPhone 6. So uh, I can run down the specs for the iPhone 6. Uh, it starts at a lovely, capacious 16 <clears throat> gigabytes of storage, which is the best. Uh, it has an A9 chip with an embedded M9 chip in it, which means that you can holler hey siri at it whenever you feel like it to start a siri search which is what they should have always done that i don't know um there's a 12 megapixel camera which uh is going to be a very very big deal i think and is the sensor the same size i don't think they said anything. i I don't know the full details of that yet um it has a faster touch id it's got more support for faster lte and faster wi-fi presumably using like mimo or crazy antenna stuff um and uh the front megapixel front facing camera is five megapixels now Mm -hmm. i think yeah and uh it's got a selfie flash but of course the big thing the big change is 3d touch so much so i expected them to come out and talk about cameras and like we are going to spend a long time talking about how we stayed at eight megapixels and we did we understand photography better than anybody, but now we're going to 12, and this is what it means, and this is why it's a big deal. Um, but no, they came out and just jumped, bam, right into 3D touch. Didn't didn't wait at all. Um, and we were talking about it earlier at the beginning of the, beginning of the show. Like, I was ready to just destroy this feature. Yeah, so... Just but it's great. Hearing rumors of it, it sounded bewildering. Yeah. And seeing the video, it seems it definitely seems a lot more natural than I expected. But I still it's like really hard to make an impression without having used it mm-hmm. and knowing like how much pressure it like do I have to like push through my iPhone? How does it actually feel to use 3D touch? Like is it natural? It's natural-ish. It'll like I think it'll take a week to figure yeah. it out. The, uh, the issue that I had during my own test with it was that I couldn't tell exactly what the distinction was between a 3D touch and the kind of long press that makes all your apps start jiggling so you can delete them. Which, by the way, and, still that's still how you jiggle the apps is a long press. Yeah. I mean, that was a problem I had on my like Apple Watch at first. Yeah. I was like, I, I'm just like long touching right now, and I don't understand why I'm force touching. Or I think that, like we because we've trained ourselves not to do that. We've trained ourselves to understand how much pressure it takes to activate a touch screen, and so it doesn't occur to us to like just push harder. I think I don't know. Like it's it's it feels very it feels a little bit unnatural. But once you sort of like the question is like once you understand how to do it, can it become like a second nature thing? And I think it's going it to be. It's absolutely going to become second nature. Okay. Yeah. Can you can you please explain why you are so so hype for three D touch? Can you can yeah. you Skype check three D touch for yes. me? Okay. Here's my Skype check. So 
today when you open an app, like your second step is like to hunt through the app to like find the thing you actually want to do, right? So like you open up Instagram and like then you find the camera or then you go into your activity feed. Um, with 3D Touch, you just launch all that right from the icon itself, right? So it's just like quick touch and then scroll up, I want to go to the camera, right? So it's like it's sort of combining the act of opening up the app and finding the function in the app that you're looking for. So like opening the app and like doing the thing you want to do with the app are now the same thing. That's big. It's going to save you tiny fractions of a second, but it's going to save you like those fractions like millions of times. And you're just going to feel better about your phone as a result. So that's my Skype check. All right. But that's just like the home screen. And I feel like you're excited about that, not because this feature is crazy and amazing, but because you're just you're so embittered by how little uh, you know, innovation there's been <laughs> on the basic home screen of the iPhone. Look, I would love to see more innovation. I'm not going to sit here and stand in the path of innovation, Peter. <laughs> that's like, not why I... Why I do what I do, but the the like the big the big skeptical question is why do they need force to do these software features? Why do they need force to give us little shortcuts into the icons? Why do they need force to give us like email previews and like live photos, which we got to talk about? Like, dude, I don't know. I I, I honestly don't. It's because we want to save long press for other things. Is because force is fundamentally better because you like it's faster. I think that once force acquire or once like the idea of touch um, gains this artificial sense of depth, it just opens up new UI possibilities. And so, of course, UI designers are going to exploit them, right? But like, uh, I, like I would just turn the question on its head and say, like, why should touch only be in two D? Why why should there only be one level of touch? Like, why would you artificially constrain the number of uh, like gestures and inter- interactions that you could have on a phone? Like, like to me, it just seems like the more the merrier. All right, fine. So the I'm actually less. I, I'm like, I'm like playing devil's advocate to because I really want to listen to Casey defend the beautiful, bright, crazy, innovative future of three D touch and how it's going to change everything. Again, again, and again, because it's three. Um, but I, the the thing that I was most worried about wasn't like, well, how is the physical interaction? Will I learn how to press you know hard enough to get it right? My actual concern is that the stuff that it would do would have different like things in different apps, and this is the problem with the Apple Watch. When I force touch on the watch screen, uh, I can change my watch face. When I force touch in like the Twitter app, it brings up a bunch of random buttons. Yeah, and when you force like touch in something cool. else, it's like I have, I have no idea what's going to happen. It's just like force touch to like bring up some random crap. And if that's what they did on the iPhone, or if it's what they're doing on the stuff that's like beyond the demos that we saw, then I'll get real mad. But what they what they're doing instead is you you force touch. Do we are we calling it force touch or three D touch? I believe it's called peek and pop or the two gestures. Okay. So peeking is cool. Cause it's like, what is this thing that I have? I, someone sent me a link. Someone sent me an address. Someone I've got an email. What is this thing? I want to see what this thing is without like actually opening up another app or doing something. And so you can peek at it. That's cool. And that's consistent. Well, what's pop? Pops when it goes full screen. I, I think. Wait, I think if you just leave it for long enough, or no, press, press harder, harder. Yeah. then it then it that's the pop. Okay, so you when pe- it you press a little bit to full peak, and then you press hard to pop. Yeah, mm-hmm. I. And then there's a. And then there are there are additional actions you can take to whip and to nay nay. <laughs> <laughs> that, that completes the set. Well, there's a there's a there's a new haptic engine in the iPhone, so that it'll give you the the appropriate haptic feedback for those different actions and whether or not you screwed them up apparently. And apparently to make room for that new haptic engine, they made the battery smaller on the iPhone mm. six. Mm. I'm not you too concerned you about get... the battery life. I mean, it's always been pretty great and I don't see any reason why it, it's pretty tiny change as far as that goes. So. Yeah. yeah. But you sell your iPhone every like six months, your batteries never <laughs> died down. But I think the more pressing concern here is the 16 gigabyte thing, which is at this point is just not excusable anymore. Right. I mean, yeah. I mean, from what we were told yesterday, Dieter, uh, the the new live photos, which we haven't haven't really talked about, but it essentially creates like a, you know, a a GIF of every photo you take with sound, um, take up twice as much storage space as a photo without live touch enabled. Every person I know who has run out of space on their phone, which is an incredibly high number of people in my life, 
has run out of space because of the photos that they've taken, right? They just, you know, take a lot of pictures and they don't bother cleaning them out because cloud storage is still honestly very confusing for a lot of people, right? So you're telling me you're going to double the amount of storage space that a, a photo takes by default and keep 16 gigabytes? Like, it's, it's insane. Right, and Apple will store your photos in the cloud, but only if you pay them for more than five gigabytes of storage, which is like... Yeah, but five gigs is... No, it's not enough for anybody. Yeah, but I mean, like, if if... <laughs> There was like an Apple Photos equivalent to yeah. Google Photos. I would have just stayed in that because all of my photos would have been there by now. But right. instead, I went through this like painstaking process to bring everything over to Google. And now, like at the end of every month, I have to like take all of my photos off, photos off of my phone, bring them into like Flickr and Google Photos, just to make sure they're like backed up and whatnot. And I have space on my iPhone. Like I have on numerous occasions had to de- like delete like half of the apps on my phone just to make room for more photos. Wow! Like because I wasn't in a place where I could like back them up and stuff. And it's like. I'm not gonna pay a hundred dollars more probably for more storage. So you're gonna get a you're gonna get a sixteen. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Man, I'm just gonna suffer it. Well, like, well actually, yeah. well, we, I do want to talk about live photos, but uh, maybe instead of spending an extra hundred at the outset, you could sign up for Apple's new upgrade program. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no. no I, come on, that was a good transition, think, and you guys no, just no, sat there. Um, I would say that, like, actually, this is one of I think the most interesting things that Apple announced yesterday. It's like interesting, but also like totally obvious and not that interesting. Because like Apple's not actually like they they got a bank to like finance small loans to customers in the Apple Store and rebrand it. That's that's all they did to be super clear. But the implications of it are like really interesting. Yeah. Right. Um, so, what are the implications? So first of all, uh, the deal is good. Um, it it basically it's just like an installment plan, but. It comes like with Apple Care, and so but, once you compare it to the carriers' plans with their insurance, it ends up being in a wash. And I know you're going to come at me with AT and T Next and T Mobile Jump and whatever the hell else these little plans are, and all these four carriers. Those plans are garbage. They have lots of weird hidden clauses. You don't really know, you know, when you get to upgrade, how many things you have to pay off to do it, and like the rules around it are very like complicated. Apple's rules are simple: pay us this money, you can upgrade once a year, and you get Apple Care, and like that's it. Like, and then you can take your phone to whatever carrier you want. So, what's hilarious to me, and I'm was gonna write this for Saturday, but I'm just gonna tell you right now, the dream of the Nexus is alive in Apple stores. Whoa. Right. Mm-hmm. This is what the original Nexus one was like. Hey, we're gonna like we're just gonna sell you a phone, and it'll be relatively cheap, and you can just take it wherever you want. It'll be unlocked, and like the fact that all the carriers switched away from their their like crazy contracts meant that like this opening happened for Apple to do the thing that Google has been trying to get the world to do forever, that Motorola has been trying to get the world to do forever. But now, like, Apple's just been quietly doing it, and now they're going to loudly do it, and that's pretty exciting. I suppose so. I mean, I'm, <laughs> I'm so used to just selling phones and buying them out, right, and then paying for Apple Care, which is more expensive now, by the way, Yeah, for the success. Um, but, like, so, okay, actually, teach me your ways, because I never sell my phone. I'm always like, hey, I'll buy this and I'll sell it. No, I totally am going to sell it. It'll, it'll be fine. Well, I, always, always, at all. I always hang on to it. I'm like, well, just in case like my other one like breaks or I lose it or something. And now I just have like a 4S sitting in a drawer that like right. I, will, I will like touch <laughs> like, I don't know, never again. Or when I'm like, oh, this is cool. And then put it back in the right. drawer. Yeah. Sometimes so, I use Craigslist. Sometimes I use uh, for my... Six plus I just sold. Uh, that was over to Swappa, and I got like seven hundred bucks for it, which wasn't bad for the one twenty eight bottle. Do you like meet people at coffee shops? No, no that one's just mail, mail it out. out? Yeah, FedEx, oh. PayPal, right away. So that's that's a pretty good route. I think that's the way I'm going to go from now on is Swappa. I mean, let's like I don't know if you know this first customers, but Chris buys approximately a phone a month, <laughs> maybe more. <laughs> But he never has like ten of them. He like he 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 you know it's a it's a lot of money, but it's not as much as you think because he's always selling the old ones. Sometimes at a profit. Um, but what I want to know is a phone a month, going through the hassle of buying and selling them. Like how much of your life does this take up? Uh, I think I'm pretty sold right now on the Note Five. I don't. I'm not really too compelled by the success. So uh, we'll see how I feel come like two weeks from now when it's actually on <laughs> right, sale. Right. But uh, but for now I'm pretty happy on Android. I think. I mean. I was not going to upgrade. I was going to stay with just the 6. Uh, but the the fact that Apple's upgrade plan is, like, I can just walk into the store and, like, 
here's 32 bucks. And like 32 bucks a month is like not nothing. Like that adds up to $750 after two years or whatever it adds up to eight ninety whatever. Um, so, but like, you know, I can like convince myself that like, I won't miss $32 a month. I, I have a question. Yeah. Like, like, did we uh, calculate the actual like total premium that you pay to do this program over just buying the phone outright for eight hundred bucks or whatever? For the sixteen gigabyte, I think it's like one hundred twenty-five bucks extra. But that's the that's the cost of the Apple Care. Um, I guess that's true. But like, you also don't get to keep the phone, and well, you do after two years. Right. That's this. Well, oh, I guess if you keep paying it, and yeah. Don't if you upgrade, don't, if you right. don't upgrade, yeah. Um, oh, I guess that makes sense if you factor in Apple Care. Yeah. So, so that's like interesting. the 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 same the basically the the thing you're paying for is avoiding the the hassle that Chris Welch goes through once a month of having to sell your phone to upgrade, and like you're believing that it's okay for you to give up the residual value of your phone after a year to like, have the simplicity yeah. of what if it, essentially for all intents and purposes turns out to be a leasing program unless you decide to keep it for the till the end of the two years and then you own it um and you know like fundamentally it's not like the greatest deal it's basically like at a year if you're like oh man i really want the phone you can like do the mental math of like well if i paid this phone off and then i sold it i would get this much money for it i bet and so then I would probably end up ahead if then just buying the phone. Or you'd be like, oh, man, I really want the phone. Well, it turns out that I can do it. And if I don't do that math, I won't know that I lost that money. Hooray. The thing that makes this so hard for me is like, on one hand, this is like actually a pretty, seems like a pretty good deal for like people like us who always want to have like the newest phone. Yeah. On the other hand, I could just buy a Moto G for $200 and like keep that for a few years. Right. And, or I could buy a Moto X for $400 and, like, keep that for a few years and have, like, a pretty good phone. Like, and not be giving Apple, what, like, $380, $400 every year. I mean, like, there, there is a big cost difference if you don't, you know, if yeah. you are willing to step out of the constant upgrade cycle. Like, this, in some ways, is a way for Apple to preserve the, like, I'm going to get my phone every two right. years. Right. Except, or accelerate, I guess. So is the moral of the story that buying a phone every year is expensive no matter what? Well, is that yeah. basically where we're at? Um. <laughs> okay, we got to wrap. So I do not know which of these three things. I'm, oh, I'm definitely buying the Apple TV. I am probably not getting the iPad Pro. And I'm going to say I'm not going to buy the iPhone 6S, but I'm totally going to buckle in like a month <laughs> and buy it. Same boat. Same boat? Yeah. All right. Probably the TV, almost definitely, just to see how much different it is and how much better, if any. But uh, the phone, we'll see in, in about a week or so. And, right. Uh, but, yeah. Wait, Casey? But no TV, no uh, iPad Pro, but definitely a success. Who's going rose gold? The rose going gold. Going for the rose gold, baby. It's beautiful. It's really good looking. I'm not kidding. It's really good looking. All right. I'm I, I've been shocked at the response from the straight male community to the Rose Gold iPhone. <laughs> By the way, it's outrageously positive. If you are looking for the representative of like the, the straight white male community, like the most boring <laughs> community on earth, you are looking at him or listening to the sound of his voice right now. Um, if you want to follow me on Twitter, you can. Uh, but you should also actually you should follow Verge. We're at Verge on Twitter. We're also on Snapchat. Uh, a lot of cool stuff happened on Snapchat during the Apple event. Uh, and a lot of cool stuff's happening. Some snap, snap tracks went up today. Uh, we are the real Verge on Snapchat, and uh, we're also scoping a lot, and uh, that's going to be really exciting. Um, in addition to those uh, social networks, you should also just head over to iTunes.com slash Verge, click the buttons, and you will go there, and you will discover that you could rate us. And we recommend that you rate us five stars, don't Please. you? Oh, for sure. And what, what, should, what should the review sure. be of our podcast? Uh, I don't know. What's it, is it out of stars, hearts? What are we looking at here? Stars. They're going to give us five stars, and then they're going to tell us something in the body of the review. That's like a you know, recommendation. Oh, yeah. For this one, it'll probably be chill, I think, <laughs> for this review. I know. I, uh, what I would say is, hey, if you watch the show live, uh, the host will actually respond to your tweets and, and you know, Good luck getting that on the This American Life podcast. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Have I responded to any tweets? I will. I'm, I will respond to I every single person that one. tweeted to me uh, during the show. Uh, so that's exciting. Uh, one other thing I need to mention, just because I almost forgot, was that this episode of the Vergecast, 
was brought to you by Braintree. So if you're working on a mobile app and you're searching for a simple payment solution, you should check out Braintree. With one simple integration, you can offer customers every way to pay, period. To learn more and to get your first 50 grand in transactions without fees, go to braintreepayments.com slash vergecast. Uh, you should also check out Verge ESP. It's a great podcast. Also check out What's Tech. Also a great podcast. Also check out uh, Chris Welch's usedphones.com. <laughs> great service to buy high-end uh, telephones. Um, I am Backline on Twitter. Jake is Jake, Jake underscore, underscore K. K. I am at Chris Welch. Yes. And you're like, you got to be cool to follow you, right? No. No. Okay. <laughs> Not anymore. And uh, Casey, you're Casey Newton. I'm Casey Newton, and I discourage cool people from following me. That is the perfect way to end this extremely nerdy podcast. Bye, everybody. Goodbye. Goodbye. So long. Goodbye.